I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of your face and the Pac-12 and the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News & World Report, Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 country stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. Offer the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day to all your family members and everybody. Visit Nextiva.com slash 12-pack, Nextiva.com slash 12-pack, to get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta Rank college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling device with William Hills' Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio, and you can follow us on um, on everything, whatever. Just subscribe and stuff. Um, I'm joined by Mr. Rob Barron of Sharp College Football, who is cranking continuously through not just Pac-12 teams, but all the teams that are uh, that are coming up for the 2021-22 season. And Rob, you know, I'm, I'm starting to listen to some more college football shows. It seems like, you know, people are starting to, to get out of that like spring funk and and kind of get a little bit of energy when it comes to college football. It's, it's a good time. It's summer, man. Like the games are coming. <laughs> like, um, you know, like I feel like we're going to turn around and, uh, you know, for some of these teams, you know, that have a really early game, like fall camp's going to be upon us. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like, uh, you know, less than, less than two months in some cases. Yeah. It's nuts. The the thing that always gets me by surprise and we start our previews way earlier than I think most people do outside of like Kithliday, and like, uh, right. maybe our friend Burke. And, uh, I, I still think that Phil Steele just like ma- mails it in a little bit. Um, I might be throwing a dagger here, although he does. He he's gotten better. He's been in like you know interviewing coaches and stuff, and I like that aspect of it where he can get some some inside nuggets. But I think for the most part, it's um you know we we try to do our stuff pretty early, and the season win totals every freaking year just jump up on me, and like all of a sudden it's Tuesday and I'm looking around and going ah crap the the season win totals are out and they've already been hammered into shape and there's no value on them. I don't know that part always drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, like the, you, you get everything out or like, and we, you know, like it, it's tough to look at and compare, I think, um, you know, like even the way, uh, some other folks are doing win totals. I mean, like a, a TV example of like the craziness, like, I, you know, there's, I've seen some NFL draft projections already for next year too. 
that people are throwing out there. And they, I saw one where someone had like Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati going at number two overall. And that's bananas. Like that dude has downfield accuracy issues, like nobody's business. And like that matters in the NFL. Like you have to be an accurate quarterback. Um, but I mean, some of it's just based, like some of it just feels based on, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you should at least be interviewing coaches, talking about scheme, talking about changes, talking about who's coming back. And I feel like sometimes we end up in a little bit of like the narrative rut, you know, type of, uh, of stories in college football. And, you know, some of that too can be, you know, like lead into the, you know, the schedule numbers that you see thrown out the win totals. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to dive into those. Uh, that's definitely coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, that, you know, just going over those numbers and taking a look at them. But uh, I don't know. It's just, just been interesting. I think a couple items for news before we start. Sam Neuer just left Colorado to go um, probably play safety somewhere else. I don't know what you think about uh, that departure. Kind of, you know, it's interesting because the solid verbal uh, talked about it being a thin uh, quarterback room, and it is. But I thought yeah. that they were pretty high on their freshman that came in last year. Uh, he was one of the higher recruited quarterbacks, I think, in terms of. Well, actually, I take that back. They, they've gotten a couple of four star guys come in the program, but I just know that the fan base and the writers that were covering Spring were kind of excited about him. And then, of course, yeah. they have uh, Shroud. So I don't know. I, I don't think that the, it's going to be less of a disaster than it was at Colorado last year. And I thought, you know, Neuer did everything he possibly could physically to get that team to where it needs to be. And it seems like there's probably some more talented players behind him. Hopefully that'll be able to step up this year. I don't know. What'd you think about that news? And I, I, that sounds like a backhanded compliment. Like I thought he was so fun to watch. (laughs) Like I'm really bummed he's leaving. So, uh, you know, with all that uh, thrown out there. I mean, the, it's not a surprise that he's leaving. I mean, it tells you where he was. He felt he was falling in the pecking order, right? I mean, you're if you are penciled in as the returning starter, you know, there's been no coaching, cha- you know, staff changes, you know, and and no reported grumblings behind the scenes. You're likely transferring because you're. It's looking like you're going to end up beat out. Um, and I don't. I mean, I I don't. I don't think Colorado is going to take any steps forward offensively or was going to take any steps forward offensively with Neuer in there at QB. Um, so, you know, the, and I mean, I guess you can argue, you know, if you want to take maybe the solid verbals point, I mean, I, I, I guess I just kind of disagree with their point. Like, but I mean, he may not have even been penciled in as the backup, um, you know, but like maybe you have Neuer there, you know, as an insurance policy, as a backup, I think the tough, th- I mean, I gotta be frank. Like I'd be surprised if Neuer landed another, uh, to what you said, another FBS or even FCS QB job. Um, you know, like, and you know, he, he, he's likely going to have to find another position, I think. And he may not, he may not find that, you know, it's, you know, rosters are getting really filled out. There's a ton of guys in the transfer portal still because of, you know, the, the, just the number of, um, guys at the holdover year, the additional year that everybody was granted. I mean, he might have a tough time finding a spot too. Oh, for sure. And and the one thing that I thought was great was the way that Colorado fans treated 
um, the departure. Like, I mean, with yeah. a standing ovation, <laughs> they're like, right. you did it, oh, man. Yeah. Like, good job. Uh, and it reminds me of that. I always forget the quarterback that played for Arizona that got them to like eight and five and just did everything he possibly could with the talent that he was given um, to drag that team across the finish line. And it was fun to see Neuer do the same thing at Colorado. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I thought that was an interesting news, but it made sense. I wasn't really shocked by it. Um, I thought it was a, um, it was, you know, it, it was something that could have been on the radar. It's a little bit interesting that it's later in the, um, you know, later in the cycle, but you know, people can still move back and forth. I know that UCLA just got that big defensive tackle from USC and we're just, just so you know, we're tracking all the transfers and stuff. We got them all bookmarked yeah. and, and updated and stuff. So, uh, we will continue to keep our head on a swivel and in other news, Rob, um, you know, the, the reason the PAC 12 has missed the playoff, according to Larry Scott was because of Washington and USC and, and Oregon. So just, you know, uh, <laughs> going full turd on his way out, uh, you know, just, you got to start the way you finished. Yeah. I mean, I thought that interview with which was with USA today was, <laughs> I mean, some of it was a little crazy, like Scott saying that like the problem was that, you know, that people ceased to believe in his, you know, the original vision and that, people would have wanted to leave money on the table, you know, in order to get, cause so what he's alluding to is that the, the PAC 12 did get additional money up front to sign that 10 year TV deal. But of course, you know, a lot of people realized, you know, maybe less than halfway through the deal that the market for those TV rights had fundamentally changed yeah. <laughs> in the midst of the deal. Right. And as they're watching, you know, other conferences go out and able to be cash in, you know, Scott's complaining that people like, oh, they would have left money. Like the PAC 12 would have made more money over like significantly more money over the life of this 10 year deal. Had it been two five year deals, you know, or, you know, like even, you know, some smaller increments. Right. I mean, like, but five year deals is, is the most likely outcome. I mean, like if they would have had two five year deals, the PAC 12 is, is sitting in a very different revenue place. Um, I do think, I mean, I think Scott, there is some validity to the point. I mean, some of this is self-inflicted by the schools. I mean, nobody made Chris Peterson make Bush Hamdan his offensive coordinator, yeah. <laughs> you know, like no one and USC, you can argue all you want about some schools not having the resources, you know, like that, that, that this is in fact a resource problem. I think you could look at like Colorado losing out with Mel Tucker and getting him go, going to Michigan State in the Big Ten, that's a pretty obvious, like, oh, yeah, Michigan State just has all that, you know, TV money to go get Mel Tucker. I don't think you can make the argument that USC had to keep Clay Helton because of the Pac-12 TV deal. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah. Like, I mean, like, and that, I mean, but that's what I, like, I think that, you know, in fairness to Larry Scott, he didn't hire Clay Helton and Jim Mora and Rich Rodriguez and Todd Graham you know, and, and, you know, he, it's not necessarily like, you know, he, he could have put the schools in a position to potentially make better hires. But I think even if you're grading them on a bit of a curve for, you know, the having a little less resources, especially towards the end of the deal, you know, like the schools just made some real, the schools in the PAC 12 have overwhelmingly made some really bad to mediocre hires. And there, there's just no, you know, there's no covering that. Like Mark Helfrich was a bad hire at Oregon. That clearly didn't work. You know, like you could also argue that like Willie Taggart wasn't a great hire at Oregon and Florida state bailed him out of that. Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's, but that that is somewhat true. I mean, like the PAC 12 has to have USC or Oregon or Washington, you know, 
really competing at a national level because the the strides that the other schools in the Pac-12 have to make to get there to be that sort of flagship, um, you know, school for the conference are, are really immense. I mean, you know, it, it really has to be one of those three schools for the Pac-12. Oh, yeah, I, I totally I totally understood where he was coming from. But um, yeah. it, it struck me as similar. But on the other hand, like he wasn't like he was helping him either. <laughs> You know, like I just think there was so right, many. He wasn't th- getting more money to do their jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like there. I mean, the the conference has been such a disadvantage, and it's been beaten like a dead horse. But like that all happened under his leadership. Um, I just felt. I mean, it just it just struck me as like I've done en- exit interviews before, and uh, the way Larry Scott handled this one is similar to when he announced that he was getting a raise like from his Las Vegas suite and sent it to everybody who thought it was the direct TV deal announcement. Yeah. Like, very very similar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like just totally tone deaf and um, you yeah. know, not with. It, it didn't have the self-awareness that I think uh, it needed yeah. to. And if you're in a, ever in an exit interview ever, and I just, I just had one like, be, like right uh, before I started my company, um, just, just be nice. Like just say, just yeah. nod your head, you know, do say the things that you need to say and um, in, in a nice way or, or don't like, you know, say the nice right. things that you need to say and then just leave. Like, Right. You got a, you got a, a mortgage payment from a conference. You're lucky that you, you know, like I know. the fact that they gave him a home loan and um right. and just stuck with him for so long. You know, you say thanks, appreciate the time and then you're out. And for him to go public with all that stuff, uh, not surprised. Yeah. Um and uh but uh, it is what it is. I, mean, I think if you're a Pac-12 fan, you know, like you you know, the 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 revenue problem will see like the the re, like the Pac-12 revenue problem has seemed worse than it it actually is because of the ten year deal. That's very fixable, right? Like we're coming up to a new you know a, a new TV deal. The Pac-12 is going to catch up pretty quickly in a lot of cases, at least on the tier one, you know, and uh, you know rights that go to ESPN and Fox, you know, and and maybe another bidder this time around. But the pro the other problem, the one that is not necessarily there, like that one's still there, right? And I feel like a lot of Pac-12 fans are like, oh, like Larry Scott's gone. Like this is all gonna get fixed. And I'm like, we didn't change ADs. (laughs) 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 Now we're gonna give them more money to potentially make bad decisions, right? So I mean, you could look at it as like, I mean, the the miracle of the New York Yankees budget is that they can afford to make mistakes. And, and maybe that's what the Pac-12 needs is being able to to sort of like get rid of some of their mistakes more quickly. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, OK, let's let's end that there. By the way, B.J. Danker was the quarterback I was thinking. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. B.J. Danker. That if if they introduced him right next to Nick Foles, who also played at Arizona, you know, at like one of those. And, and let's remember the quarter, the great quarterbacks of like, I would cheer just as loud for BJ Danker as I, as I did Nick Foles. And I loved Nick Foles. That's how much I loved BJ Danker. Cause he were like, and Sam Neuer is kind of like that too. I think for Colorado fans where it's just like, man, he did everything he could. <laughs> and so, anyway, yeah. uh, um, okay. So this episode, we're going to go through the non-conference schedules of all of the PAC 12 North teams. And we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome back to 12-Pack Radio, live from the Nextiva Studios, where clothing is optional. And I'm here with Rob Barron. And Rob, taking a look at the non-conference schedule, so um, people can fly again. You know, I've been to like a number of restaurants now. It's very exciting. And now that people are looking around and and I think folks are starting to crack open that Pac-12 schedule and and take a look around and see what teams are going where. And there are some really good games this year. Yeah, there, there really are. I mean, the, there, you know, and you know, of course there's the headline games that didn't get to be played last season, you know, the, um, you know, Oregon, Ohio state, Washington, Michigan, but I mean, UCLA LSU is a sneaky good game you know, on the schedule too. I mean, in addition, of course, to your usual USC Notre Dame. How early do you think the LSU fans are going to start tailgating on that golf course? (laughs) 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 Yeah, (laughs) that is, I mean, how, how, like, will that golf course be open on Sunday morning is a great question. (laughs) I'm I'm thinking no. Um, you know, the, the Rose Bowl, I forgot who was talking about this. They were saying the Rose Bowl during the Rose Bowl is a beautiful venue and it's pristine and it's played at a beautiful time and the games and the pageantry and all that stuff. The Rose Bowl, when UCLA is playing there against like Cincinnati or, you know, Fresno State, it just looks like it's, it's, a, it's cold and it's damp and it's gross and it's not filled. Even though it's probably sunny outside, it feels like that just because that, that stadium looks so crappy when it's you know a quarter filled and there's bad football on the field. But I do think this UCLA-LSU game is, is pretty exciting. Let, let's start with UCLA's non-conference schedule here. So, oh, I'm sorry. We, we're talking Pac-12 North. We'll, we'll put that on pause. But <laughs> everything- <laughs> Let's dive in. Let's do- <laughs> yeah, I think we did say we were going to do First. Everything I said about the Rose Bowl, I stand by. Though, by the way, I'll we'll, we'll fast forward <laughs> that to the next episode. Um, I mean, most most stadiums look bad when they're as empty as the the Chip Kelly Rose Bowl experience was two years ago. That is true. I just with the Rose Bowl, they're like, it's not on campus. Parking is really hard if you don't know where you're supposed to go. It's, 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 I think we parked at a bank with the, the time I went to a Rose Bowl, we parked at a bank and took a shuttle. Yeah. I parked at a Ralph's grocery store, like in Burbank, probably and took them, like whatever shuttle it was. And, and the stadium is flat. It, it reminds me, I mean, it was it's like, reminds me of all those stadiums that were built like, you know, 80 to a hundred years ago, like just, you yeah. know, room for everybody to see the person in front of them. And the field is really far away. So, um, Anyway, not on my top stadiums to go to this coming year, but we have the North here, Rob. What, what team do you want to start with? Uh, well, which sort of headline game do you want to – I mean, and sneakily, I mean, there's like Cal at TCU too. That should be fun. That's a fun one. I kind of – let's do Stanford because right. I think uh, I think there's some interesting teams on here and some interesting matchups. And I know we have a couple of Sanford fans cause they'll write in and sometimes we just totally take a dump on that team. And so I want to, I want to give them a little bit of a foot massage this, uh, <laughs> this episode. <laughs> um, so their games are Kansas state and Arlington, Texas Vanderbilt in, in Nashville. So if you're a, you know, if, if you're either a, in a bachelorette party or if you like Stanford football, fun city to go to, and then they have Notre Dame at home. Uh, where do, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start in order. Let's go with the uh, K State. Okay, I think this game's fascinating. Like, I mean, the yeah, 
this this one I, I it's it's really interesting I think because it's you know it's it's on the road at a neutral site uh you know Kansas State really hasn't been spectacular I mean they're you know the Big 12 has been pretty good they were you know they finished at 41 in beta rank last year um you know they've they've really struggled and I, I I've talked about this in a little in previewing um you know some of the you know the teams that have either Kansas State or Wyoming on their schedules that North Dakota state offense just really hasn't translated, um, you know, to the FBS level for either, you know, the Wildcats, the Cowboys, um, and, and their defense, you know, with, um, Scotty Hazelton moving on to be the DC at Michigan state took a little bit of a step back last year. So, you know, Kansas state is a slight favorite in beta rank over Stanford. That's really only because, uh, <laughs> Stanford's defense has just been so terrible <laughs> and they don't return. I mean, the Stanford team just doesn't return a lot, um, but it looks to be a close game. It's definitely one like from a pure talent perspective, Stanford has a huge advantage recruiting wise over, over the Wildcats. Here, here's a question for you. And and when Rob was talking about that, um, Dakota, is it South Dakota or North Dakota? I always mix them up. North, North Dakota state. Yeah. North Dakota state, their head coach, the coach that won a lot of championships there is now the head coach at Kansas state, just in case some Pac-12 fans weren't paying attention on that front. Yeah. Chris Gleeman. Here's, here's a question for you as a college football fan, would you rather go to Manhattan, Kansas or Arlington, Texas? As a college football fan, I would rather go to Manhattan, Kansas. I would go, to, I would choose the little apple. Yeah, me too. Like, you know, I'm sure they have some cool bars there. I'm sure the campus there is just beautiful. And, um, and like Arlington Texas, like who, how many people are going to fly out to Arlington to watch Stanford play Kansas state? That really is perplexing. It's an odd show. I mean, because the, I mean, the, all of these early season games are sort of like made for TV. Right. And I'm sure Kansas state has a big alumni base in, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, but I mean, Stanford doesn't show up well to their own home stadium and they don't travel well. <laughs> so, and it's not like, I mean, Kansas state isn't coming off like a major, you know, year or something like that. Um, it's an odd choice for an early season neutral site game. I, I mean, I believe it's, if it's in Arlington, it's in Jerry world, right? Like it's in the Dallas Cowboys stadium. Like that just seems like an odd, like it, it's, it's a weird one to put on, you know, like a maybe, th maybe at best three quarters full stadium. It would be funny if Jerry Jones was like a secret Kansas State fan and somebody's just like giving him a back massage as he's drinking a martini and there's like nobody else in the stadium. It's just up in his <laughs> press box watching this game because I don't see a lot of people coming to it. But um, no. yeah, all that said, like, so uh, I think Beta Rank has Kansas State as a two point ish favorite. Right. And uh, I don't know. Like, I'm a little bit more bullish on Stanford in this game. I mean, I have big, big questions about the defense, but like you mentioned, you know, this offense of Kansas State isn't a juggernaut. Uh, nope. I think this is a game where like Stanford actually, you know, might, might actually, I mean, it's not a statement game, but it'd be a nice, a nice win if they're able to, they always talk about like, you know, a tuck in acquisition for Microsoft, you know, when they buy some like company that's $200 million or something, kind of like a nice tuck in win for the Pac-12 if they're able to pull it off. Yeah, I mean, it really, too. I mean, the Big 12 has been really solid. So good showing here, I think, helps the conference overall and, like, advanced stats. Um, you know, the 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 thing for me is that, I mean, Kansas State, if, if you're going to slow down, this North Dakota State offense has a run-first, power-run, you know, offense. 
Um, you know, Stanford's defense has been really bad. They've been bad against the run, but they've been much worse against the pass, oddly enough. And we highlighted this when we were you know, previewing them. If they can slow down the Kansas State running game, like the you know the passing game isn't anything to to write home about. This should be. I I, I would beta rank as Kansas State as a slight favorite in this game. The Pac-12. I, I mean, you could argue Stanford's a little underprojected coming into this year because last year was so wonky in the stats and they returned so little versus a normal year. But I you know I, I'm with you. I I might personally have Stanford you know a three point favorite in this game. But really, I mean. If either of these teams finishes, you know, on the positive side on turnovers, they should win. Yeah, no, that that that's absolutely the case. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, on the 18th in Nashville, Stanford has Vandy and sweet, sweet, holy Moses. Rob. Oh, total collapse, total <laughs> collapse. I mean, it's amazing to think that like Derek Mason, when he had, you know, Ludwig there, on offense and they had a decent defense that year too. I mean, that team, that Vanderbilt team was pretty freaking good, you know, and the fall off, I mean, last season, it just looked like the entire team. I mean, he looked like Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. It just looked like the team quit. So in comes Clark Lee, the former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Vanderbilt alum. I don't know. There's, there's not much to write. I mean, like Stanford should be able to score roughly a million points in this game. Just don't turn the ball over four times and they're going to win. Yeah, they're they're like a 15 and a half point favor or something like that in that game, according to Bader. I, I, uh, here's here's my hot tip is go to. Um, oh, now I'm forgetting the name of the place. I used to live right across the street. Oh, Cafe Coco. That's the place to go. It's like in the slums of Vanderbilt. I used to live in the slums of Vanderbilt with the other poor graduate students. <laughs> nice. I like that. Like throwing out uh, some, some recommendations here for food. Uh, anything else on Vanderbilt before we get to Notre Dame? No, there's not, there's nothing else. They're going to be terrible again. Okay. <laughs> so let's go November 27th, the game against Notre Dame. This is in Palo Alto. And have, have you previewed uh, Notre Dame yet on sharp college football? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I haven't yep. caught we're, up yet. We're done 31 teams already and they're at 24 nice so what what is what does notre dame have this year i um every year i i just feel like they're gonna go like 10 and 3 but they probably should go 8 and 5 <laughs> you know like some some of these games they win close some of the games they it just seems like they're outclassed by teams that i mean like five or six of the other college football teams that are really really good i mean notre dame has really outperformed i mean in win total they they've they really picked the right time to have this scheduling agreement with the ACC because other than Clemson and like a little bit of a rising North Carolina and maybe Miami last year, I mean, the ACC has been God awful. Um, and so like a lot of the schedule for the Irish has been really bad. Uh, you know, and that, that was the truth last year too. I mean, they've been able to pile up some wins this, this coming year, we've got them projected at 8.2 wins overall. Um, you know, 24 overall coming in, um, you know, they lose a lot compared to, you know, some of the other teams, you know, this year, they're at 126 in returning production, 126 on offense, 112 on defense. Um, and they, you know, they, they, they finished out at 19 and on offense last year in beta rank 24 on D. I mean, you really saw them get exposed back to back in that, um, you know, that ACC title game where they got Clemson with Trevor Lawrence back and Clemson didn't turn the ball over a bunch. Uh, and it was on a neutral site instead of on the road. Clemson won by, you know, three possessions. Um, and then they got Bama and Bama, you know, housed them by three possessions. It was, you know, like 
it, it, it's, it, you know, it is, it does kind of put into like Notre Dame just isn't, they're just not in that same league as the top teams. And the gap is pretty significant. I, I think given, you know, given their, given how much they lose, it is going to be, it should be a little bit of a rebuild. I mean, Notre Dame, I don't know if we look at them and say like, Oh yeah, they're, they're Alabama. It doesn't matter how much returning production they have. Like they're just going to reload. I mean, I think Notre Dame will be good, whether they're going to be double digit wins, I, I think is a different story. And the, the thing for Stanford though, is this game's quite late. So like Notre Dame could be settling into and, and players have more experience by this time. I mean, that might, that might be true for the Cardinal though, too. What's that? Uh, I don't watch professional soccer, but in Europe, it's like the Champions League, and then you get relegated to oh, the like UEFA Cup or like the yeah the second tier one for like the teams that finish like fourth, fifth, and sixth or something. Yeah, it seems like they're the uh, they're the they're the champions of the B League. You know, <laughs> like they're always going to be yeah. pretty good, and they'll be a tough out. And but they're just not they're just not uh, at the upper echelon of the sport. But still, a really good team. And it'll be an interesting game against Stanford because they are about a seven point dog Stanford in this game. Yeah, six and a half points according to Beta Rank. I don't know. It's um, you know, number twenty four Notre Dame against number fifty Stanford. What what, what would Stanford have to do to win this game? Just for some turnovers. I mean, that's the. I mean, the real thing about Notre Dame here is you're you're talking about a team that even if they're taking a step back they're likely still going to be competent on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And they made a really good hire. They got Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman to oh. replace Clark Lee. Um, so like, I think that's a, just a fantastic hire by the Irish. He's a guy that's been a name that people have been talking about and we've been talking about for a while. Um, you know, I think, I, I think you're still talking about likely top 25 offensive and defensive units. I think Stanford can produce another top 25 offense. I just, I don't think the defense can hang with this. And, you know, Notre Dame's nothing particularly special offensively, but, you know, like they should be able to put up points pretty easily against the Stanford team. The one thing to keep in mind, and Max Meyer talks about this a lot when it comes to Notre Dame, is oftentimes Notre Dame isn't going to blow teams out. So uh, keep an eye on that defense for Notre Dame as, as we get further along in the season. It's a pretty late game for Stanford for a non-conference. I know they always kind of squeeze that in later. And, you know, if Notre Dame's defense is really good, then I would definitely not take that big spread. But if they're like a top 25, top 30 off, you know, defense, I mean, Stanford could, you know, keep this game fairly close and lose by... Yep. Six and a half, <laughs> like that. Well, and Stanford really. I mean, like their only beta rank right now only has them projected as one possession down. So turn the ball, you know, turn the Irish over and don't turn the ball over, and you're in the game. Okay. All right. Let's move on from Stanford. Where do you want to go next? I mean, I mean, should we hit the? Should we hit one of the big ones? I mean, there's some fun. There's some fun ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. You want to do Oregon or Washington? Let's do Washington. Okay. We're not covering the Montana game like that. Congratulations. Put that in as a W. I I would like to see um, uh, their quarterback uh, Dylan Morris uh, over under picks in that game. Is that at one? Oh, oh, actually, you know that that's what I would set it at. This this would this is the only thing I'm curious about in this game. Can Morris throw for more? If it is Morris, it could be the freshman. Um, But if it's Morris. Does he throw more than 325 yards? And I still think the answer is no. Oh, man, that's brutal. I mean, they better run the ball like crazy. 
<laughs> oh, they will. I mean, part of it is because they will, but I just, yeah, I just don't trust that passing game. A little bit of it, though, is like a distrust of the passing game. All right, we talked too much about Montana. Okay, let's get to the good games. So there, at the Big House, Michigan. I so I was shocked, Rob, when I when I looked at the Beta Rank numbers here. Beta Rank has Michigan fifty fourth. It, it does. So I mean, it, oh, last but year this is mess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is that last year's numbers are really poor. I mean, because the team really quit. I mean, the defense utterly collapsed, and the offense wasn't anything great. Yeah, uh, you know, last season for them. Um, you know, and I, I think they likely beat this projection, but their offense finished fifty-five in beta rank. Their defense finished one sixteen. Their special teams were seventy-eight. I mean, the team just flat out quit on Harbaugh. Um, they're at 53 in returning production. That's a de- they've got you know a, a pretty good amount in particular coming back on the offensive side of the ball. They're at 11 overall in recruiting. I mean they've recruited pretty well. Um, it's just it's hard to like. Here's my thing with this Michigan squad. You can talk. I, I can easily talk myself into them being like a fringy top 25 football team. It's really hard for me to see like the kind of like massive bounce back that puts them a top 20 top 15 team, right? Like they were just so bad last year. And like Gaddis, the offensive coordinator who's still there really hasn't quite put it together. Um, You know, offensively they've had some decent years, but nothing great. I'm so Um, bummed that ZTF got injured. Right. Cause I I would just love to see him on like a national stage and Washington's defense is still going to be good. So that that's the area where I'm curious what the line is on this. Cause there's probably an early line. Um, and Washington's going to keep the game close because their defense is going to keep the game close. And like you just mentioned, Michigan, Michigan's offense is just kind of like they didn't they have a guy named like John O'Corn. <laughs> like you know, it's just yeah, John Corn, the perfect name for like just sub suboptimal quarterback play. I just yeah don't see Michigan lighting up even even at home lighting up this Washington team. I mean, if if this is like seven or or more, I mean, I would definitely take. Washington because I, I I do trust the running game a little bit. I don't know. I, I oh, Washington's offense isn't a lot to write home about either. How's Michigan's uh, Michigan's defense fell off last year? I don't know. This is this is a fascinating I mean, they game. were they were good under Don Brown for the most part and they were even excellent at times. I mean the like the problem for Michigan was that like, you know, even in the years where the defense was very very good, the offense just wasn't there. I mean, just coming into this game, like I don't have an immense amount of faith in Washington's offense. I think they can be a top 40, you know, maybe top 35 offense without breaking too much of a sweat. I think their defense this season has a shot to be top 10 again, Um, you know, after the weird year with the weird data last year. You know, even with the ZTF injury, I think Washington's defense has a shot to be really, really good. And I think that's, you know, that's where you'd put your money you know, coming into this game, right. As you just, you know, you know, of all the units, you know, that you could, you know, have faith in that, that Washington defense is going to, going to shut down that Michigan offense, I would assume. Yeah. And there, there might be a little bit of value in them being a PAC 12 team, right? Everybody goes, Oh, Michigan at the big house. Like, you know, how many people have watched Washington football the last two years? I mean, <laughs> outside of, uh, you know, people on the West coast, I don't think a whole lot. So, there might be a little bit of value in Washington going into that game, but man, that'd be a big win if they were able to go into Michigan, even if Michigan sucks um, those first three weeks, we probably won't know. And so yeah. it would just be a nice boost for the conference moving in. Anything on that well, one? It's, okay. Yeah. I mean, and I would say too, I mean, like, 
you know, Ohio state's going to likely beat this Michigan team by three scores, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you, so, you know, if you're Washington, you know, like a, a good result for, you know, a good result for Washington is, you know, beating Michigan by a touchdown or, you know, like, or just getting a win, a very good result for Washington is 10 points or better. Right. I mean, on the road, that that's a good result for Washington that you should be happy about. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the time. So we're at about 35 minutes. So let's do, yeah. let's do three teams. Cause we're going into these a little bit more in depth with it, which I think is good. And then at the end yeah. we should rank, rank the games in terms of like where we would, where we would like go from top to, to bottom. So I think that'd be kind of fun. Yep. Um, let's get to back to Washington's third game and let's do it right after this. Okay. We're back. We're still going through Washington's schedule. We have a a yet-to-be-determined team after this. We'll go through one more schedule before we start ranking these teams. And, Rob, I I legitimately know nothing about this Arkansas State team. Um, I know that you've done, like, some basic previews of, like, I'm sure you've kind of, like, you know, kept your head on a swivel. You know anything about these guys? Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're a pretty decent group of five offense. I mean, they finished at 60 on offense last season. Um, trouble comes in on the defensive side of the ball. They're at 105, which I mean, is not a, t- I mean, is a kind of on the wrong side of middle of the road group of five defense. Um, you know, and they're, they, they return, a you know, a, a, a you know, they're not returning a great amount. They're at 95 and returning production, but that's still 60, you know, in this kind of year, 61% of their production coming back. It does hurt a little bit. They've only got 48% of their production coming back on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this Arkansas state offense, you know, I mean, if they were, I mean, if they were getting Stanford, it'd be a lot more fun, right? They might be able to put up some points <laughs> there. I, I think they likely struggle, you know, I mean, th- th- this matchup is going to be really tough for them. Washington's going to be able to, to likely shut down this offense, um, you know, and then, you know, they should be able to put up lots of points against this, this defense where they're at and special teams, isn't going to help out any, you know, either 74 and special teams. I'm pretty sure we covered this in our member berries episode, but I think Arkansas state was one of those teams we tried to cover that one week when like, it looked like there would be no pac 12 football. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the wide receivers playing tight end and the quarterback is playing on his head or like, it was, you know, it's just such a ridiculous game. But uh, okay, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what how bad Washington beats Arkansas. That would be the the gauge that I would kind of view that one through. Is can they can they step on a team and yeah. uh, and do it in a way that really you know? Because I want them if if they're good, I want them to step on Oregon State. I want them to step on Arizona. I want them to be able to um, really turn on the the gas when they need to. I mean, it's like what you know the max you know, thing that they said about Notre Dame was like, they don't blow people out. I'm like, well, yeah, cause they're not as good as Alabama, <laughs> you know, like Alabama blows people out, not because they don't have sportsmanship because they're an excellent football team. <laughs> okay. So, so do you want to do Oregon state or Cal? Do we want to save Cal? Cause they've got that fun TCU game or do we want to just, I mean, Oregon state's got Indiana. Let's do Oregon state. They got Purdue. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not, yeah. Purdue. Indiana would be even more fun. Yeah. Purdue, yeah. yeah. I'd love to see Indiana. Uh, okay. Number 42 in beta rank, Oregon state, uh, their first game at Purdue. So they're going into, is it West Lafayette? It's West Lafayette, right? Yep. Okay. Um, you know, you never want to go across those tracks into East Lafayette. You never know what's going to happen <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, number 63 in beta rank. This is a pretty close game here. Uh, Purdue is a four point dog. Um, 
you know, and again, all like we've we've talked about mileage may vary on, on anything <laughs> with these stats as we move in. And week six of beta rank is when we're going to be locked and loaded and ready to go yeah. um, with all the, the stuff that's put in there. But we still have a little bit of preseason data here. And I think this is fascinating and, and kind of a fun little trip for Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, Purdue's been nothing great of late uh, under Brom. Um, and in particular, like offensively, they've fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, from where we were talking about like that year that Rondell Moore was sort of fully healthy, um, you know, but they were, you know, they're at 58 offensively last season, 99 on defense. I mean, they, they really kind of struggled. Um, they've got a decent amount coming back. Number 36 in returning production that, you know, sort of, you know, you'll you certainly like to see that they've got 85% of their offensive production returning, you know, that might bode well for their offense to creep forward a bit. Um, but you know, at Oregon State, Oregon State was the pack in the small data size. You know that we have Oregon, you know, for small and weird for the Pac-12. Oregon State was decent last year. Um, we haven't projected at 42. Um, you know, the offense was at at 34 last year for the Beavers. It's got to be good again. You know, and and Jebby's got to really, I think, take a step forward. We talked about this. Like we, have, I have faith in the offensive line um, and the running game. You know, and and the you know the 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 special teams was pretty good. Um, for me, this game just kind of depend like it depends on like where you know does does Purdue's offense take that step forward that you know we think they might with the returning production numbers they have and like man is the Beavers defense still really bad? What's or, what's man, or Oregon State returns a ton? I mean, we talk about like they're number six in returning production. They've got eighty seven percent of their production. Coming. Back. Yeah, yeah. Can you? What was the the defensive numbers here for? They're at eighty three last season. Oh no, no for Purdue. Purdue's defense. Oh, Purdue's defense last year was ninety nine. I mean, they really took. It. I mean, like wow. I I mean, Oregon State should be able to move the ball and put up some points here. The question is, is will Purdue uh, in this game too? And they probably will. I mean, this might turn into a shootout. Yeah, one thing that was interesting was, and I don't know if it was Jonathan Smith that was coaching the team, but. And I think you were at this game when the Beavs went to Ohio State. And they like I was. It was Ohio that was, State. That was the game where we were like, surprise, like this could be fun. Yeah, they played pretty well there. They weren't intimidated at all. And um, you know, they still lost by like fourteen or twenty or something. But like it wasn't it was it was a very respectable showing given all the new stuff that they were putting together. So um, just kind of keep that in mind there as they they roll into Indiana. Um, he uh, Smith said, I mean, you, you could tell it was going to be kind of good because they they set up that Ohio State defense um, for a couple early big plays. Uh, one of which was like a beautifully executed tunnel screen, and like all of a sudden, it was, I mean, it was a very very hot, humid day in Columbus, and there were some very very like I mean, there was no question that Ohio State was going to win, but there were some people that were very disgruntled about that defense very quickly. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, let's get to the next game. They uh, have Hawaii at home. Todd Graham coming back to the Pac-12, number eighty-nine. And you know much about this Hawaii team? It was kind of a man. Could you imagine just a COVID year at Hawaii and like? I, did they even travel? Did they fly? Like, I, I just didn't follow that team at all last yeah, year. Yeah, they did. I mean, they had to. I mean, all the teams really had to. Um, yeah, I mean, this Hawaii team, they finished it. You know, they were 76 on offense, 80 on defense, 113 on special teams. That special teams number really does have to clean up, I think, for them, too. You know, I, I'm interested. As, I mean, because they're transitioning away from, you know, what uh, what they were doing. 
um, a little bit. I'm interested to see Graham. Graham is a pretty decent defensive mind. I mean, it's a very pressure oriented defense that he likes to run. Um, you know, if he can improve that, um, you know, that defensive number for them, they could be interesting, but they're, it's still really tough to see. You know, it's very tough for me to see this, you know, Hawaii team hanging with, or I say that like, and of course they will or something like that. Like the Beavles turn the ball over a bunch, but um, you know, when you're looking at it now, I mean, Hawaii's at 103 at returning production offense, returning 55% of their production. There's, there's not a lot. Like, I mean, I, I still think this, this Hawaii team should be better than they were last year with a new coaching staff and not enough time to prepare, but true. Tough to, tough to tell Yeah. whether they take any kind of real step forward. Double digit favorite, uh, Oregon state 10, yep. you know, the, the bottom, bottom end of that double digit. But, um, yeah. I, I think I think they should they should be able to take care of business here with Hawaii. Be, um, you know, again, we'll do deep dives into all these games and all these teams and stuff. So um, it won't just be yeah, we think this or that. Like we'll start matching up units against units, and uh, and I think that's kind of one of the better ways to look at the game in addition to the numbers and uh, and scheme and all that. So uh, and then they have Idaho, uh, the the annual. It's kind of like the the annual greased pig. The <laughs> The annual Pac-12 stomping of Iowa. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to do it, Rob. Um, yeah. What uh, What do you think the the number would be on this? Like, I mean, I think it should probably be like somewhere in the neighborhood of like seventeen to twenty-one points. I would think. I don't know that Vegas is going to be all that excited about the Beavers. I mean, I, I I my guess would be that they would probably win by somewhere in the neighborhood of like twenty-eight. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to see what the line is on that. Um, I, I would hope that Hawaii gives Oregon State a good game, and then uh, and then that line dips a little bit because I think the, the, they've they've been better at putting lines on some of these FCS games. So um, always curious to see what that is. Okay, all right. We we looked at three teams here, Rob. We had Stanford, Washington, and Oregon State. Let's go from let's go from the bottom up, like the the game that you would be least excited to go to. The game that I would be, least, I mean, so I, uh, I would definitely, I mean, that, that Stanford Vanderbilt game will be terrible, but I would be excited to go to Nashville. Uh, <laughs> it's probably, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's probably that like Washington, Montana game to be frank. Like I would not be excited for that game. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be excited for an FCS. So are we like, can we kick the FCS games out? Cause no one's, no one wants to go see those. No, no, they, um, we, these must, they, they made their own bed. They got to sleep in here, Rob. So, all right. So I am least excited. Cause like Montana's a decent FCS squad. Washington should still just hose them. So you would rather go, you would rather go to Beaver, uh, not Beaverton to Corvallis to watch Oregon state stomp Idaho than to I would, Seattle. I would. Oh, okay. Okay. All I right. would. I mean, my sister went to Oregon state, you know, like I, I'd go, I'd, I'd con her into going with me. Yeah, good breweries and uh better parking probably. Okay. Um, so we got those two. Let's get to the, let's go to the, uh, the real games here. I, I, I mean, I, I want to go, I want to go to Corvallis. I haven't been there, but that Oregon state Hawaii team game is a little bit low on my list right now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I would, I would, I would put Washington, Ar- Arkansas State as the the next the the next least desirable game. Yeah, I think. That, I mean, again, like Washington should should win by a lot of points, and if they don't, everyone in that stadium is going to be deeply unpleasant to be sitting next to. <laughs> Beautiful city, really yes. hard to get around. Um, 
the, I'm, I'm assuming the traffic in Corvallis, you can go right back to that Garden Inn uh, <laughs> after that game. Uh, okay, all right. After Arkansas State, Washington, what do you got? I mean, then it's probably then it's probably Hawaii, you know, at at Corvallis. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And then what? Probably Kansas State, Stanford, and Arlington. Yeah, that's not that's not a great. Yeah, that's not great. A lot of direct flights, Rob. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, as we have found out, lots of crappy weather to interfere, uh, and you're getting in and out at DFW. <laughs> that is true. Uh, four hour delay. Um, okay, okay. Uh, we had what- to rent a we had to rent a car to get to Houston. Like that was <laughs> such a. Uh, yeah, I had to call you and say, "Hey, can you turn around after driving for an hour? Because yeah. uh, I'm going to be like eight hours behind." Oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, okay, so we have. Okay, what what goes after Kansas State and Arlington? You know, I think it's I, I think it's probably that Vanderbilt game. That Stanford at Vanderbilt. I mean, I would, I would like Nashville's a fun trip. Vanderbilt's going to be terrible, right? Yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you. I would actually flip that with Notre Dame. I would rather go to Nashville and watch Palo Alto. Yeah, then go to yeah. Palo Alto. Um, That's fair. Even though I mean, they, Vanderbilt is a is I mean Stanford I mean is a beautiful campus, but Vanderbilt is a also a, just a gorgeous campus. Yeah, and if if you haven't been to Stanford, you know wait wait until you know maybe go for a basketball game if their basketball team's good or like a baseball you know if they're hosting the the baseball tournament there, um, you don't have to go for football. But yeah, it is it is the most beautiful campus in the Pac-12, and I don't think it's close. Um, as much as I love uh, Colorado's campus, Stanford is just. It's just beautiful. Totally worth going to. Um, okay, so we have at Purdue. We have Oregon State at Purdue. We have Washington at Michigan. And we have, and that's it, right? That's it. Yep. Gotta and go. that's, I mean, this is pretty easy, right? Like, I mean, then it's Oregon State at Purdue. West Lafayette would be fun. I think Big Ten games in general are pretty fun. And then it's at the big house. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep, let's keep those let's keep those games on a swivel here because um, I know we're I know we're gonna go to the Ohio State Oregon game so we'll talk about that probably next week but yeah. um, I'm always kind of on the lookout for some fun places to go I went to Iowa City once to watch Nick Foles um, was, oh yeah. yeah that game was fun it was really fun um, and Iowa City was like you know, it's just like all these like you mentioned all these Big Ten schools like sneaky fun cities with good bars yeah. and, and like, you know, people are friendly for the most part. I think a couple of people yelled at us, but you know, it was like, Hey, how do you, it was like when we went to that Oregon game, like people were making fun of us. I'm like, don't you, don't you feel sorry for me for being an Arizona fan? Right. Why are we mocking me right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just hope both teams have fun, sir. <laughs> I, I'm here. I have to watch this. I shouldn't have to put up with you too. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, probably gave him that face that Grant Cannell gave when uh, that, that player tapped his shoulder after he got driven into the ground. Oh yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, that was fun. So we went through our first three teams. Um, we'll do the rest of the Pac-12 North next week. Anything else, Rob? No, no, that's great. I mean, like, uh, this, this, uh, like you said, like I'm, I'm excited. Like we're getting close. Yeah. Sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, the YouTube page too, where, where Rob is just cranking through, um, up to 31 teams. Who's next? Liberty. Hugh Freeze, the fighting Hugh Freezes. So here's, so here's, I'm, I'm glad you brought Liberty up. Somebody should hire their AD because a, they're shameless and they're they're willing to do whatever to win. Yes. <laughs> Clearly, the, the like, I, I, mean, I don't know. Is there? 
I mean, they hired Ken Starr after Baylor. Well, right? well, like, he's, he's not coaching basketball, Rob. This is a that's a different. <laughs> I know, but I mean, like, so yeah, but I mean, like, they hired. I mean, so like, yes, there there is literally no place on earth more shameless than Liberty University. <laughs> they have um, whoever that that basketball coach they got always in the tournament. Yeah. Um, their baseball team was like uh, was in the NCAA. Tra- just seems like whoever the athletic director is has really found some sneaky. Uh, and in some ways, very sneaky hires. <laughs> to, to yeah. Push there. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, cool. Well, Liberty, Liberty's up next. Uh, that quarterback's supposed to be awesome, right? Yeah, Malik Willis. Like, keep an eye on him. Like, they could be a lot of fun. Right on. Okay, stick with us. Next week, we'll go through the next Pac-12 North uh, slate of non-conference games. And thanks to everybody for tuning in. Write a review so we don't have to, uh, you know, read them at the beginning of the, the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, everybody, catch you next week.